Welcome friends, people for peace, pods of consciousness, planetary citizens, wherever you happen to be today, listening to Glocal News in Social Artistry, where we get to talk to people who are building a more humane world from the inside out. I am your host, Dick Dalton, and my guests today, and they are two, Jonathan and Andy Goldman in Boulder, Colorado. And I I have them on Zoom, but I'll say, are you on the line? Hello, yes, Jonathan. Yes, we are on the line, Dick. <laughs> All right. On the line. Okie doke. This is great. I heard about you from uh, Ronnie Aiden. She said, oh, you just got to have Jonathan and Andy on your show. They're just so good. So you have high expectations here, so you better do a good job. You betcha. You betcha. <laughs> Fingers crossed. <laughs> <laughs> well, you, you two have been doing this a long time. I, I get the impression the most recent thing that we're seeing and, and, and hearing from you is a book called The Humming Effect but there are many things before that. Where would you like to start? Would you like to start with the most recent or would you like to go back to the beginning? The Big Bang. <laughs> well, I, actually, uh, I was uh, just uh, saying yesterday that it well may uh, not be the Big Bang, but really the cosmic hum that uh, was the uh, start of uh, creation. Because, you know, they talk about... Uh, all these different sacred texts talk about it. in the beginning it was the word, you know, uh, right. and the word said, let there be light, sound preceding light. And um, this is, we're, we're jumping now because uh, we're going to be talking obviously about the humming effect, which is just the latest indeed, as you said, of our, shall we say, journeys into sound, consciousness and light and love through sound. But we were teaching at a place called Yogaville. Yes, the real name is? Yogaville. And I don't know if you're familiar with that. Dude. I have been to Yogaville. Oh, All right. right. <laughs> and of course, Swami Satchidananda. Uh, uh, do, do you recognize this uh, picture? Oh, oh my, my goodness. Yes, indeed. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> so, so before you tell your story, I got a little quickie here for our Columbia, Missouri friends. Oh, good. <laughs> when uh, I got out of the Navy and came back to Columbia, Missouri, there was already a, a satellite integral yoga institute here in Columbia. And I had met Sachidananda out in uh, San Francisco while I was in the Navy. Wow. Went to a retreat. He gave me my mantra, you know, that sort of thing. And uh, so when I got back to Columbia, I was shocked to find it here. And while we were, while I was here at that time, we uh, invited him to come to Columbia, and he did. He came to Columbia. He gave a, a very nice evening program at our local Methodist church in the Fellowship Hall. Uh, so that was back in oh 1971, probably. And uh, my wife and I then, much later, just about two years after he died. Uh, made our trek out to uh, Yogaville and got to see the uh, Lotus Temple and, and walk around. And so 
I, I just I knew that, that I was going to share that because I saw or heard you talk about uh, Swami Satchidananda. So go go ahead with your part of the story. All right. Well, first I'm going to I'm going to jump back actually 51 years and two weeks from today. Yes, I, and that was the beginning of the Woodstock uh, Music and Arts Festival. And of right. course, at the beginning of the Music and Arts Festival, Swami Satchidananda led a half a million there were actually more, but a half a million of us in doing, you know, sacred chant together. And that, uh, from my perspective, Dick, this was maybe one of the major reasons why Woodstock was such a benevolent experience uh, on the planet was the fact that it was blessed by this extraordinary energy because there, the, there weren't no real major uh, cat catastrophes. People were born and people died on a natural level, but you know, the earth didn't uh, open up and swallow uh, everybody and you know, certain miraculous things. But then we find ourselves some years ago Yes. At, <laughs> then we, we found ourselves at <laughs> Yogaville, which actually, Dick, we end up teaching at Yogaville every couple of years, which is just a real highlight for us because we are in such alignment with the teachings of Swami Satchidananda. And it was actually at Yogaville that we began to get inspiration for writing our latest book, The Humming Effect. And Jonathan picked up, you want to talk? Yeah, pa Pantanjali's Yoga Sutras, which every spiritual master seems to do their own translation of this uh, ancient work. And I remember it was lying uh, on the uh, bedside table as we walked in the room and I picked it up and I opened it up and there was Yoga uh, Sutra 1.27, which said basically, this, this is not uh, what it said, but it said basically, the original sound of creation was the humming of prana, pranava, and this humming, they had to give it a name, so they called it Om. And I said, oh, this is, you know, way cool, really liked it. And then the next morning, I remember, we started talking about that and we were talking about at the time we had been sort of hashing back and forth uh what we wanted to do for our next book and that morning we were just kind of looking at each other and talking about what we had read the night before and we just went and looked at each other and went hmm. why don't we write a book about humming now this was a very simple uh concept and as we get more into the interview it will become much more complex and but that was the beginning of it right yeah and i, I remember walking in the we're going to go on breakfast and i passed a uh, this person who is the uh, head librarian he was a swami and he was also an astrophysicist and i i said hey have you ever uh, contemplated the idea that the original sound of creation, you know, that the Big Bang was not the Big Bang, but was a hum. And he looked at me, and it was like, I thought everyone knew that. <laughs> okay. <yeah. laughs> but the question is, why the hum? And, and while you're there with Swami Satchidananda, uh, on page 148 of his uh, book, um, Integral Yoga Hatha, he yeah about one of the breathing techniques is the humming bee brahmari uh, so humming birds humming bees uh, 
humming to create the universe. This is a, we're, we're all over the place with this. This is great. <laughs> well, you know what? That is so interesting that you had picked that out to read, Dick, because in our book, we have a whole chapter on Brahmari Pranayama, and it is indeed the humming bee breathing humming technique. And it's an advanced yogic technique, which we go from our book, you know, to more, you know, opening up to very simplistic ways that one can hum to more complex, such as Brahmari Pranayama. So thank you for bringing that up. And of course, I do like to mention as well, we call our humming conscious humming, because it is very much consciously done. And I'll let Jonathan talk a little bit more about that. So we kind of like to go back and forth with, <laughs> right, right. we both have so much to say. <laughs> Indeed. Right. Um, one thing I would like to say is that um, between the two of us, we probably have been in this field longer than we've been alive, at least individually, well, yeah. you know, you know, you know, 60, 70 years or whatnot, and uh, combined total, you know, and Andy's work and my work, and then our work together. But um, it's interesting because sound is such an extraordinary, powerful tool for shifting and changing our vibrational level, our energetic level, and our consciousness. It can affect us on a physical level, an emotional level, a spiritual level, mental level. Uh, and we've been, we've been able to do profound, profound teachings, but we find that the perhaps most powerful of the different instruments that can be used for sound healing, and there are many, many from gongs and bowls and bells and whatnot, the most powerful tool is the voice, particularly because you're able to make a sound and then add the aspect of intention to it. And we're going to talk about that in a minute, but I just want to suggest that um, so many people have issues with using their voice. Mm. Um, and they become very, very judgmental about their voice, so they are becoming very inhibited about doing any sort of practice where you use your own voice to resonate your, your physical body, your mental body, or whatnot. And that's why we were trying to find a sound that literally everyone can do <laughs> and not be judgmental of. And, and, was, and of course, we have never heard anyone say, oh, I'm a terrible right, hummer. Right, right. <laughs> My humming is just awful. We, we've not ever heard that. We probably won't ever hear that because it is one of the sounds that we are all, that we make from the time we're a tiny baby all the way through our lives into being elders and so forth. And so it is a sound that we can all make and that's part of the well really the main reason why we chose to focus on this particular sound because we wanted to be able to get sound and the importance and the value of the healing aspects of sound out to more and more people and so what better way to do that would be than to have someone be able to make a sound that that everyone can make and now one of the things that I want to say before I turn it back over to Jonathan is, is that 
being able to use your own voice to create a sound, okay, such as humming, it will shift and change. It will reduce stress and really begin to help you relax. Now, this is a very empowering, empowering thing. We have it within ourselves. We can empower ourselves to help reduce that stress and anxiety. And a lot of people are feeling that a lot now. So humming is a fabulous tool for mm -hmm. that. And I turn it now to Jonathan. <laughs> I know you're gonna get into uh, breathing here in a minute because you can't hum without breathing. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> and, and I know you're gonna get into um, uh, abdominal breathing or bellows breathing or I, when I do my classes, I call it balloon breathing. And I imagine that there's a, the opening of the balloon is at my nose and the, the bell of the balloon is down behind my belly button. And so we breathe in and we fill up the balloon and then we let the balloon uh, empty as we exhale. And, and uh, so that's part of our relaxation training, relaxation exercises. So so as you're mentioning humming with, you know, all these good things are reducing stress and all, how can you separate out the hum from the breathing itself since they're so integrally uh, connected? Well, that's a great question. I have no answer, Andy. <laughs> no, I mean, because you're right, they are interrelated without breath, there is no sound. Right. I mean, so, you know, bottom line, so you could say that um, the breath is the fundamental basis of not only all sound, but all life. Right. And Dick, I have to say that I love that uh, description of the balloon and blowing up that balloon using your <laughs> nostrils. As the, I've not ever heard that, and I like that a lot. Yes. And and it's a it's it's so important. We have a whole chapter in our book just on breathing, and we do talk about diaphragmatic breathing. You know, the belly breathing, the balloon breathing, mm -hmm. because you've got to first begin that breathing exercise and really that helps to relax the body so that the sound is able to then move out in a very uh, fluid way. So the breath is indeed the most important first crucial, step. Crucial, crucial. Mm -hmm. So then, yeah, first step. So then as you, as you bring in the intention and I'm reminded of uh, Lynn McTaggart's book, uh, The Intention Experiment, because yeah. such a powerful uh, message on all of this in a, a little different way. Uh, so I, I'm very interested in how you're using the word intention with uh, how it might shift your humming. Uh, so, so I know we're going to get into it, but I'm just excited and one okay. now. <laughs> Dick, I'm going to ask you to step in the Wayback Machine with me. Oh, good. I'm going to ask you to step into the Wayback, you and your listeners to step into our Wayback Machine. And we're going to travel back to, oh, let's say 1985. And 
I am going to uh, Lesley University in Cambridge, Massachusetts, where I am pursuing an independent study, a master's degree, independent study of the uses of sound and music for healing. And I have now been collecting for a few years all these different, it's like systems of using sound and music for healing from different scientists, from different doctors, from different spiritual masters. And now I'm sitting in front of my computer and it is using a DOS operating system with a dark screen and amber letters. I don't even know if you remember those at all, but uh, they, they go back for a while. And I'm taking this information. I have uh, my hands now held about a foot apart because I had about a foot's worth of papers that I've been collecting that had different systems. And because I come from a family of doctors, my father, grandfather, brother, all medical doctors, I basically was sure I was gonna be able to correlate all this information and come up with one cohesive work about what sound resonates what chakra, what sound resonates what organ, what sound does this or that. But instead, as I went through it, I, for example, would find Dr. X would use a particular frequency or set of frequencies for an organ, and Dr. Y would be using a completely different set of frequencies for the same organ. Or spiritual master A would be using a particular mantra for one chakra, and spiritual master B would be using a very different mantra for the same chakra. And I was literally, I remember in a state of intellectual angst and I had my hands over my head thinking, how can this be? How can this be? It doesn't make any sense. And I remember I heard this voice and the voice said, it is not only the frequency of the sound that creates its effect. It is also the intention of the person making and receiving the sound. And I wrote down these words, Dick. Frequency plus intent equals healing. These words were gold against a black screen. They are flashing back and forth to me. <laughs> and that was in 1985. And now, what is it, 35 years later, those words are more powerful and profound. You have people like Lynn McTaggart doing her intention uh, experiments. You've got uh, Bruce Lipton writing about the power of belief. You've got uh, Greg Braden doing stuff. You've got Joe Dispenza, all these people. You've got you know, Masaru Emoto doing his water uh, uh, crystal uh, pictures showing how uh, different intention, different thoughts would affect that. And so I think we're going to find more than ever as we get into a quantum consciousness understanding that intention by intention i mean if you like the belief or the thought or feeling that is encoded upon the uh, vibration creates the outcome i think we're going to find that more and more true the more we investigate and the more our science is able to expand to that realm good did you come across george leonard back in those days uh, the, the silent pulse silent pulse you betcha yeah. Yeah. Great book. Yeah. So uh, it goes uh, pre eighty five. <laughs> by the way. Right. Right. <laughs> but by the way, I I think I was using an Apple Macintosh in eighty five. 
what is this DOS stuff? <laughs> wow. Uh, I know. That's <laughs> wow. I, I, I'm impressed with how like this. That's a, just a joke. Okay. <laughs> we all go back a long way. <laughs> yes, we do. We do. So intention. Uh, okay. So I'm out walking today, and I'm I'm I know I'm preparing for this show, and I'm thinking, okay, so I'm humming. Uh, I intend to hum. Okay, I'm breathing from the, my belly, and and I'm I'm humming, and I'm doing it with intention, but we've got to dig into intention more specifically because uh, okay, I'm intending to hum, but I don't think that's just where uh, Jonathan and Andy are going to stop. I think it goes deeper than that. So can you take us to the next level of intention? Absolutely, Dick. And you're right. It does go much deeper than that, which is one of the reasons we call it conscious humming, because if you can set an intention, um, and I'll just give a quick example. Okay. The other day I had a little headache, you know, in this a, a certain part of my head. Now this is not a medical claim of any sort, but I just want to share anecdotally my experience. And so I set my intention of guiding my hum into that part of my head that was hurting. So I visualized and or imagined that the humming sound was vibrating up into that part of my head. And I did that for two or three minutes and it began to lessen my headache. Mm. So that, you know, gives our listeners, I hope, an idea of how one can utilize intention and uh, with sound. And it's almost as though that the sound is that um, carries our intention. It, it, it's like the vibration of the, the sound, the frequency is really that uh, vehicle that is bringing the intention to that part of our body. Yeah, I um, there are a couple of things I'd like to say uh, that would lead to other things. Uh, so one of them is that there are actually physiological benefits. These are what they call peer review or scientifically validated physiological effects from self-created sounds such as humming. So it's not all in your imagination or something that you're just, you know, uh, wanting to happen. There are physiological benefits. In fact, if I may, Dick, just for a moment, I'm going to suggest that a few of these include, and part of this is, of course, coupling the sound with doing deep diaphragmatic breathing, because that uh, will lower your heart rate, your respiration, your brain waves. And one of the things, uh, for example, that is created when you hum is the release of melatonin, which is uh, a wonderful uh, hormone for uh, actually either enhancing sleep or um, working with circadian rhythm, rhythms. And they've also found that melatonin uh, has antiviral properties. And speaking of antiviral, uh, you also get the release when you're humming. And this is one of the things that's very well known. Uh, get the release of nitric oxide, which is not nitrous oxide, which is great when you're in the dentist's office, but nitric oxide is a fabulous vasodilator, which means it causes your circulatory system, your blood system, 
to uh, literally expand so the blood goes more free, freely and opening throughout your body. There's more oxygen happening there. And it's a very, very wonderful healing molecule, if you like. In fact, Science Magazine voted it the, the uh, molecule of the year some years ago. And uh, <laughs> the, the aspect of melatonin uh, is wonderful, but the aspect of nitric oxide is perhaps even better because they have indeed found that nitric oxide is a very powerful antiviral agent. So it's been suggested by some medical doctors uh, when this whole, shall we say, situation that's currently occurring that if people wanted to do something, they sh should simply kind of hum. Because when you hum, particularly nasally, uh, nasalizing the hum a little bit, then you get the release of nitric oxide in your nasal cavity, which is where some, uh, shall we say, of these unwanted uh, critters that uh, may be trying to come into our uh, immunological system will first manifest. So humming is physiologically known to have these beneficial effects. So this is not only just wishing it were so. Uh -huh. Absolutely. And one of the other uh, hormones that are is released is oxytocin. And that is what's called the trust hormone. And so we begin to feel, you know, if we're humming with another person or if we're humming by ourselves, it doesn't matter. But we begin to feel better because that oxytocin is being released. So these Physiological benefits are very important in terms of knowing the sort of the science behind why humming is so powerful and effective. Yeah. Do you have a, uh, a connection? <laughs> this is another sideline the way I work here. Okay. Uh, uh, nitric oxide and the little blue pill. Uh, yeah. Is is there a connection to that? Sure, the little blue pill that begins with a V definitely does most of its work because of the potency of uh, uh, the little blue pill to generate nitric oxide in the uh, root chakra area. Hey, I don't think it's ever been spoken about like that before. <laughs> you get, you're right on, though, Dick. <laughs> that's where I that's where I first heard of nitric oxide. <laughs> was uh, in connection with Viagra. So yeah. uh, so it's just a curiosity that uh, that, that might have been the reason it was the, the uh, subject of the, something for the year that you mentioned. Uh, the molecule of the year, maybe. Uh, but once again, it's also got uh, really extraordinary healing abilities, uh, really extraordinary healing abilities. And, and it's not only humming. Most vibrations, here, I'm going to like... Uh, jump into this for just a second. There are two major ways that sound affects us. The first is called psychoacoustics. And this is where the sound goes into our ear, into our auditory pathway, into our brain, and affects our nervous system. And uh, the, this affects our heart rate, our respiration, our brain waves. It affects the vagus nerve as another thing. Uh, which goes throughout our body and affects everything from uh, our heart to our respiration to our digestion. And um, as we're speaking now, uh, if you're feeling any sort of influence from our uh, voices, it's because that's the psychoacoustic influence. Anytime you listen to music, for the most part, it's affecting you on a psychoacoustic level. And um, 
in fact, we, we like to also talk about the importance of just with your voice. You can just, when you're speaking to somebody, be very healing. And if you're not conscious about using your voice properly, you can be unhealing with your voice. So that, that's way number one. And way number two is called vibroacoustics. And this is where sound actually goes into your physical body affecting you on a cellular level, affecting you down to your DNA. And this is extremely true. And I'm seeing more and more, particularly vibroacoustic uh, products being advertised these days because uh, sound is just extraordinary. And we have a great vibroacoustic person just calling call us right now. <laughs> I, I but, just uh, got my, my phone off. <laughs> Uh, yeah, so uh, it, it, it's amazing. And, and from our perspective, perhaps the most powerful vibroacoustic sound that you can make is through your own hum. Because when you actually even are going, oh, and the sound is going out your mouth, it's, it's uh, much of the sound is literally going outward. But if you close your mouth and if you do a proper hum, your lips are sealed and you go, hmm then the vibroacoustic effect is at its maximum. And, and it's almost as though you're giving yourself an internal massage. <laughs> and we, you know, we work with many different implements such as tuning forks and, and different sound effects and so forth. But we have found, and when we teach, we really focus on the voice. Now we can work with uh, balancing and aligning our chakras with different vowel sounds. That is very powerful. But we have found because of the vibroacoustic effect, primarily of the hum, that that is what was, in our experience, the most important, the most powerful. And then we like to say the simplest sound can be the most powerful sound mm -hmm. and the most effective sound. And the most profound And the sound. most profound <laughs> sound. <laughs> and, okay. and I like the okay. quote. Yeah. And I like the quote on the back of our book that Bruce Lipton says, it's uh, a non-pharmaceutical means to bring in stress reduction and uh, lower uh, that uh, intensity that we're experiencing in this time uh, on our planet. <laughs> right. So bringing some of these people together, um, Bruce and uh, Lynn McTaggart and, and George Leonard, uh, everybody in their books dives deep into uh, the cell and and how you know the cell well it's made up of atoms and then you go into the atom and it's well it's made up of a lot of space but the point is that everything there is vibrating and if we had a uh, recording device we could hear the sound of those vibrations so uh, I, what I'm getting at now is that every cell in our body, I believe, uh, is intended to be a, a mutually supportive community, which kind of means to me that they are all harmonizing with the same vibration, all the cells. And, and that disease would be when something in a cell goes with a different vibration. It, 
is this kind of where you're you're working with uh, humming, trying to get alignment again, or you use the word entrainment sometimes. Um, are they interchangeable? I'm just exploring with you. I don't know. Dick, that's that's beautiful. The uh, model I like to give is this, and if I can, if you like, for a moment, just go into a, a rap, so to speak. Uh, okay, so the concept that everything is in a state of vibration, and the beginning was the word, from the electrons moving around the nucleus of an atom, to planets and distant galaxies moving around their sun. They are in motion, therefore they're creating a vibration. Now, whether or not we can hear this as a sound is uh, besides the point. Mm -hmm. And then we perceive that every part of our body, every organ, every bone, every tissue, every part of our body is in a state of vibration. And when we are in a state of wellness, we say we're in sound health. And we are like this extraordinary orchestra that's playing the overall suite of the self. But what happens if the second violin player loses their sheet music? Pretty soon the violin player is playing out of tune, out of harmony. Pretty soon the entire uh, string section is going to be sounding off. And this is, if you like, akin to a part of our body vibrating out of ease or out of harmony. And uh, we say it is diseased. But what if we were able to give this string player back there's sheet music. What if you were somehow able to restore the correct harmonic resonant frequencies to that part of the body and cause it to entrain, indeed, to vibrate back to its normal healthy resonant frequency? And that's sort of the one of the basic tenets of how sound can be used to heal, but it's also a basic principle about how almost every modality that I know of uh, from... Uh, literally acupuncture to uh, chiropractic, any sort of energy medicine or alternative uh, medical uh, principle works using this idea of putting something back into its resonant frequency. Does that make for sense? I mean, you got it actually. Well, yes. Um, and even, I believe, uh, every color has a frequency. Every food that we eat has, has its frequencies. And it's this uh, amazing, um, oh, juggling act or, or orchestration, however you want to call it, of our individual body uh, being in tune. Uh, we get a tune up. <laughs> we, we, you know, everything needs to work right because some foods to me might be bad and, and the same food to you might be good. So, uh is it true that each hum, let's say, for instance, my hum is kind of unique for me. So is, is my hum in the right frequency when I have the right intention to have the right healing for me? And I would love to speak to that, Dick, because one of the things that we, that we say is so important is that we are all unique vibratory beings and what may resonate with one person may not resonate with another person but what we know is that what you the example that you just gave when your intention is set when you've done your breathing and when you've hummed yes indeed that hum is absolutely right on for 
you. And that's an important piece in this because it may not work. Your hum may not work for somebody else. It's not going to work for somebody else, but their hum will work for them. But your hum indeed, yeah, being that unique vibratory being that you are. And you know, when you combine all of those elements, when you combine intention, when you combine breathing, when you combine that conscious uh, hum, there is the powerful effect that does occur in that body, mind, and spirit. You know, one of the things that uh, we uh, always like to begin a workshop with, well, not the first thing, but I, you know, but asking, is there anybody out here who is allergic to penicillin? Andy is, for example, I believe. Well, I am, yeah. yes, indeed. But uh, <laughs> you know, anywhere from 5 to 20% of an audience will be allergic to penicillin. I say, okay. Now, if you perceive that penicillin is a, a vibratory waveform or a series of uh, frequencies, I'm not so much a believer in the single frequency as in the composite frequency phenomena. But if penicillin is, shall we say, a vibration, then for 80 uh, to even 95% of people, it's going to be healing. But for 5 to 20% of people, it's going to be toxic. Mm -hmm. And I think it's so important to honor that because uh, oftentimes people get, you know, get into being told, well, this is healing for you. And then they will have a bad reaction. The person says, well, you know, it's a frequency that your body needs that you're, you know, that you're having trouble assimilating. Uh, we're not really big believers in uh, no pain, no gain. And from my perspective, if something doesn't feel good or sound good or what, uh, what not, you know, find something that does. There are too many wonderful things on this planet that uh, work. And, and we are our own laboratories, really. And what works for us is where we begin and where we know, wait a minute, you know, when I hummed in this particular way, I could really feel, you know, that shift and change. If I hum in this other way, not so much. If I do Brahmari Pranayama with my eyes closed, my ears plugged, I feel differently. But it really goes back to how you as an individual experience within your own body, mind, and spirit. And, and Dick, I like to focus on that because my background is as a holistic psychotherapist. And I really believe so strongly in empowering people to literally be able to be their own therapist so that they don't have to search out a therapist. I mean, of course they will for very important, you know, issues, etc. But we can really learn through our own sound that empowerment within making ourselves shift and change and, you know, like becoming more relaxed, becoming more harmonious with our environment, with our relationships, etc. But we have that within us. It's inside of us. And that's where sound is so valuable. I want to add one more thing, which I think is that it's so very, very important whenever you're doing anything, but particularly when you're working with breath, when you're working with humming or whatnot, to be in a state of... Uh, for want of a better term, gratitude. And, you know, if you like appreciation, because um, that's how on a level we learn to manifest, we learn to basically encode positive 
feelings, intention, what belief, whatever you term you want to use in terms of that which uh, you feel, because you know, as so many people have pointed out, uh, just doing a uh, affirmation is not necessarily going to work if you a don't believe it, and also if you don't feel good about it. So if you have this feeling that something is is right and good and positive and loving and compassionate, that's when the real magic occurs. Well, the heart is, you know, the electromagnetic field of the heart is far greater than the electromagnetic field of the brain. And when we can put the heart and the brain in coherence, which does occur through appreciation, through gratitude, through breath, through, breath, through loving sounds, then that is where that healing really can occur. So you're bringing in uh, heart math? Exactly. Totally. Yes. And uh, so we should give a, a shout out to heart math uh, among many other groups and, and uh, efforts that people are doing. Uh, so I wanted to kind of check in with some bolder uh, people that maybe you've bumped into along the way. Uh, did you have the pleasure of, of uh, bumping into Bob Keck and his wife uh, back in the uh, 2000s. I don't know how long you've been in Boulder. Yes, I've been, I, we've been in Boulder for 30 some years and I know, knew Bob and Diana Keck very, very personally because I was working on my master's degree at Boulder Graduate School when Bob came in as the head of the school. And of course, it was very small and everyone knew each other. So I had the beautiful opportunity and pleasure of connecting with them very deeply. And Wonderful. Yeah. Well, a shout out to Bob and, and Diana. Uh, Bob had a, a big effect on me. Um, met him at a national wellness conference in 2001 and bought his book, uh, The Sacred Eyes. And uh, it, it did its work on me at the time. And uh, I, I didn't know and he didn't, I didn't know he had prostate cancer and he didn't know I had prostate cancer at that time. And, and, uh, Mine kind of worked out in a, a good way and his didn't. And it's so sad to see uh, the loss of Bob Keck. And then uh, another, maybe because uh, Luke Seward knew the Kecks very well. So you bump into Luke Seward over there at Boulder? Brian, Luke Seward. Yes, Brian uh, and I spent some time. I did some teaching to him, actually. Lovely being. Great. Well, he was on my show just a few months back. Um, we also met at the National Wellness Conference. So oh, nice, yeah. Yeah, just just checking in with you know uh, the old family group. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, I I'm kind of wondering why I didn't meet you uh, at one of Jean Houston's uh, social artistry intensives because she would invite people like you uh, all to uh, to come and and do your thing. Um, I'm going to interject for a second and just say that uh, a fellow by the name of Don Campbell introduced us, and Don, of course, was a pretty good friend of Gene's, yeah. and uh, I, I personally didn't attend any of I did go to a lecture of Gene's at, uh, and this is semi-humorous, I did go to a lecture of Jean's at the Mackey Auditorium here in Boulder, and she said, anybody here at Woodstock? And I remember standing up and raising my hand, 
and somebody shouts out, he's still there. <laughs> <laughs> That's one of her favorite opening questions, isn't it? Yeah, and actually we, we sat next to each other when we were both um, at a uh, conference teaching together. Lovely being. Yeah. yeah. Great, great. So I'm glad you mentioned Woodstock again because uh, I'd like, I like to kind of dive a little bit back. Uh, were you playing music at the time? Were you in a band uh, when you attended Woodstock? Uh, yes, I was, but I was also going to college and... Um, uh, my claim to fame at Woodstock also, besides seeing Swami Reception Nanda, was smoking a joint with Grace Slick in the woods. Wow. <laughs> yeah, it was. Like, wow. Yeah. Well, I was uh, a captive to the Navy out in San Francisco at the time, so I didn't get to be on the other side of the earth, so to speak, uh, yeah. in New York. How about you, Andy? Uh, where and were you in those days? Dick, I'm, I missed that, that big event as well. I was in Knoxville, Tennessee in college at the time and would have loved to have gone, but it was quite uh, a distance, you know, at that time. I mean, this was, you know, 1969. And uh, so I didn't get to go, but boy, oh boy, I was tuned in and... <laughs> And then, of course, when I met Jonathan, it was, what, you were at Woodstock? Oh, my gosh. <laughs> you were jealous, I can tell. <laughs> I was. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> so, and, go ahead. Dick, I was just going to suggest that I find it really interesting that the dates of Woodstock, which was about August 15th through the 17th or 18th, and the dates of an event called the Harmonic Convergence in 1987 were the same. And I felt like these were two pivotal portals that were created uh, on a level, um, the harmonic convergence, which was celebrated uh, globally. And I'm sure you uh, ha have some extraordinary uh, stories to tell about that because most people were doing something of significance then. Um, and that was, uh, you know, shall we say, an event that a lot of people were uh, prepared for and looking forward to. But at the same time, I think the fact that you Woodstock was probably the first and perhaps the most successful large gathering ever to occur. They've, they've tried to duplicate it since, and they could not come even close. Yeah. And, and I think there's something very special about those, you know, that particular date, too, you know? In 87, I, I was uh, just starting to teach college, uh, having a very good time of it myself, and also was a volunteer minister at a uh, sort of an esoteric uh, Christian church, uh, some called a cult. Uh, and uh, so I, I had no clue that there was a harmonic convergence going on, but I'm sure good things were happening in those days. So yeah. harmonic convergence makes me come back to harmonics. Um, yeah. And also something that I have never heard before, which is, I'm going to pronounce it uh, the best I can tell, uh, the solfeggio frequencies. Do you know anything about those? Yeah. Uh, I wrote a book on harmonics, and I'm the person who, for better or for worse, is responsible for bringing the solfeggio frequencies uh, 
down uh, to the planet in the terms of tuning forks. Uh, I, I don't lay claim to that too much simply because while I think the frequencies when done in series together, and there should be nine of them all together, uh, when they're done in a particular sequence, they can have some pretty extraordinary effects, but I am not of the belief that each of these specific frequencies have any uh, specific uh, effects. Uh, there are people who believe this and it's fine. And I, you know, far be it from me to um, question their belief system, but it's not in my belief system that let's say one of these uh, frequencies of that uh, so Fajo uh, set uh, is the frequency of love because that it just doesn't work for me. So I know about that and in terms of harmonics, Harmonics, very simply put, are whenever a sound is created, we are actually not hearing a single tone. We are actually hearing a composite tone, which are these uh, mathematically um, related uh, frequencies. So much as you can take a prism and hold it into a clear light and it will refract the different colors of the rainbow. So with our voice or with any instrument, there are these composite frequencies called harmonics that give each of its, uh, the different instruments as well as our voice, their specific timbre or tone color. I wrote a book on this and I, I just went through this really fast. So I hope I didn't uh, do too many flybys. Well, uh, like a, a piano, when you, you see a, a piano tune, tuner all of those strings are resonating with each other as well as with just you know one string vibrating so it, it, it is that part of what you're talking about yeah to a degree this is uh, actually a, a subject that we mostly don't get into simply because if i were to say that yes uh, that does happen with the piano but a, a piano is not tuned harmonically Harmonics are actually geometric multiples of one to one, uh, two to one, two to three, uh, three to five, et cetera. Piano is based logarithmically on the square root of 12, which is way more information than you need to know. <laughs> well, but, but that's, that's helpful to separate it out into a, a different category because I might have subconsciously uh, just sort of lumped it all into this big... Uh, pool together and, and not knowing that there were differences. So that, it's useful. Thank you. Glad to know that. You have other books or maybe we should tell people how they can find your book, The Humming Effect? Well, in fact, Dick, our listeners can contact, can get uh, The Humming Effect and the rest of our uh, books and CDs, etc. at our website, which is Healing Sounds. Dot com and sounds is plural so you can go to healingsounds.com and of course you can always go to amazon and, mm -hmm. and find our books and uh we have the humming effect we also have a book entitled uh or titled uh, chakra frequencies uh we have jonathan has the seven secrets of sound healing we have the divine name and shifting frequencies, shifting frequencies on and on and lots and of tuning forks i'm, I'm <laughs> going to suggest if possible that people go to our healingsounds.com website because it's got all sorts of great also free downloads because our purpose is to help 
bring awareness and use of sound and music for healing. So for example, one of our latest uh, uh, free downloads is a download of a, uh, an MP3 of something called Healing Code Sacred Sa Sounds that uh, we were guided to co-create. And it actually does feature indeed those sulfagio frequency tuning forks done in series, as I was talking about, along with some very, very powerful sacred mantras from the Tibetan and uh, Kabbalistic traditions. And it's way, I think it's way cool, uh, particularly in this time of, uh, uh, you know, needing, needing to stay balanced, healthful, and de-stressed. It's a great download because yeah. it's it just a minute per chakra with a vowel sound, and you do a seven-minute practice of that every day, and it can be beautiful and great. just really bring in that relax, that stress reduction, lessen that anxiety yeah. that people Listen, are if you go to the bottom of that page, hopefully you will see healing codes, sacred sounds. You see something there. That is what I was just talking about. And you can just give a listen to that and see if it resonates. But it's, uh, I don't know. I really love it. Uh-huh. Healing codes, sacred sounds. And Dick, we hope that that is going to really, you know, we know that right now that with the pandemic, people are feeling a lot of anxiety and a lot of stress. And so we're hoping that the sounds on, you know, the, that our books and our music, et cetera, can really assist and be of service to people right now, especially. Well, I, I guess so. I'm going to say one thing, which is that uh, on all my CDs and recordings and all those others, including, obviously, as you know, uh, you, do, you know, you, on a level, you don't want to do this in a car or an automobile or if you're operating heavy machinery because you can get pretty spaced out. And so we want people to be grounded when they're doing, uh, when they're driving. Um, oh, okay. <laughs> all right. Don't want me to hyperventilate with deep breathing or... Whatever else might happen. You're getting lightheaded, yeah, you know? <laughs> That'll happen, too. I remember I, I was driving to a, a wellness conference up at Stevens uh, Point, Wisconsin, and I was listening to one of these uh, guys that you, you probably know. I can't remember his name at the moment. Uh, and he said, okay, I'm going to do an exercise now, but if you're driving your car, pull over to the, at the next <laughs> rest stop to do this because I don't want you doing this exercise while you're driving. So humming could be a very similar one. Okay. Uh, that's Absolutely. good to know. Good yeah. to know. So if I have uh, blood pressure issues, then I, it, it, do I set my intention to lower my blood pressure? Is that is that the way I would set my intention? Well, it can't hurt. I'm just going to jump jump in and and say that uh, whether it's blood pressure issue, issues of being a little stressed out before a meeting or something like that, simply. Closing your eyes, sitting up straight, taking a couple of deep breaths and making a few deep hums. Even if you don't put the uh, intention in, just, just taking the time and doing it will literally have a... Um, an experience where to lower your blood pressure. Right. Andy? I mean, the physiological benefits will, in fact, occur, Dick. So you could just begin to breathe, just begin to hum, even if you didn't set the intention necessarily of lowering your blood pressure. It would probably happen. 
just because of the physiological benefits. It would, you know, be better to set that intention and uh, have it happen. And when we're talking about setting the intention, I think it's really good to sort of set the intention as you're doing these deep breathings or breaths. And the intention can be anything from projecting a color or a geometric form or a vibration, a, you know, um, a white light to a particular part of your body to manifesting some sort of thing, uh, you know, that you want, whether it's calmness, tranquility, or to be in a state of wellness and, and, and health. So these type of things are all really good to do in terms of projecting intention, really feeling it. Well, and also, practice makes perfect oh, you know like beginning practice uh you know do it just maybe for 30 seconds then maybe go for a minute you know maybe try this intention maybe try that intention but the more you do this the more powerful it will over time become okay <laughs> I've got the yeah is that sound and everything else is cumulative. So that, for example, if you make a hum or two hums, you know, it's not gonna be the same. We suggest, if possible, <laughs> I, don't know. Uh, I don't know if you can hear this plane, <laughs> that we are being buzzed by a plane creating an incredible hum, but we feel anyway. like King Kong on the top <laughs> of the Empire State Building. But and the idea of, you know, sound being cumulative, that uh, the humming being cumulative, it's like somebody says, well, I, I meditated once, what now? And the idea is you, if you need to do it as a practice, the more you practice, the more powerful the experience, the more profound the experience, the more adept you will become at experiencing the resonance of your intention and your sound. Is that almost a closing word? Or I think you all actually have a, a specific kind of closing you like to do, don't you? Yeah, we do. We do. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, Dick. Oh, yes. Oh, Dick, we just want to say thank you so much for inviting us on your show. It has just been a joy and a pleasure for us to share this time with you and your listeners. Many blessings of love and light through sound to you and to all. Thank you so much. We heal ourselves and we heal the planet. We heal the planet and we heal ourselves. We can make a difference and we have a choice. In gratitude for the past, in service to the present, in responsibility for the future, I give my life. Wherever you are, that is your world. So please leave your world cleaner, more peaceful and more loving than you found it. Because if it is to be, it is up to us. Take care and talk to you soon. <laughs>